Mr. Ken, uh, can you go ahead and uh, share with us what you are prepared um, uh, to share with us in answering the question of am I meant for ministry or is ministry meant for me? It's uh, it's the other way around. Both work. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do understand that uh, it's... It, it's it's been a lot of years of ministry experience for you and definitely um I, I i wrote somewhere in my update and i said these things are not a science that they, they are repeatable we don't we don't we don't expect the same results from god but there are things he has called us to repeat which is to go make disciples uh, of all nations and so i believe some principles will cut through time and of course the other, the other day i was thinking about how we gone through the covid experience like many have called it and everyone kept saying no one was prepared for this no one was prepared for this and of course there are scenarios in ministry where we cannot get enough preparation but i think there are principles that that run across and one of them is patience um and, and love and, and, and reaching out to people those, those are principles that 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 run through time but i'm, I'm really excited to hear from you uh, mr ken as as you share with us uh, your experience but also as you look at god's word what are some principles you can share with us uh, concerning uh, ministry how can someone know if they are meant for ministry or not and by ministry we are talking about full-time uh, vocational kind of ministry mr ken you're welcome well the idea when you talk about full-time, if we don't look at it as, in, in its truest sense, we can get have a misconception of what full-time ministry is. That some, some think that ministry is a vocation that you, uh, or a profession that you uh, have. And one, yes, it can be, but also some consider a call. And I believe you should be called. But God doesn't put a sign up in the air behind an airplane uh, saying, Ken Dady, uh, you've been called to ministry. That it was through uh, my doing ministry right where I was at. Uh, some consider ministry an event. I go and do ministry and I come back and, and then I, I do work or I do this or I do that. And, and whether it's vocational uh, lay, lay work or... I just come home and relax. Uh, David, when, when you come home, uh, you, you have a ministry to your wife. You have a ministry to your children. And, and so uh, it's not an event. Uh, God calls it a lifestyle. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify, and glorify God, glorify the Father uh, through your good works. So it, it's important that we understand that uh, whether it's full-time vocational or whether we're home or whether we're lay people, that ministry is around us. Ministry is where we need to be at. Who can do ministry? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the whole idea is talking about how we trust Christ. And that is through grace, through faith. But then it goes on uh, that he has prepared us. He's prepared us to do ministry in Ephesians 2.10. And for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto 
good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And we we find out that that uh, we are prepared to do ministry, period, whether we're uh, a lay, lay worker, whether we're a full-time worker. If we don't have that in our mind, and then people who go into vocational ministry might have the wrong idea what ministry really is. So how can we do ministry? Number one, we're given gifts to use for his glory. First Peter 4.10, as every man received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so uh, it, it's important for us to, to understand God has gifted us. God has prepared us as we looked in Ephesians 2.10, but he's gifted us with certain gifts, and it's all different. Uh, that's a neat thing about 1 Corinthians um, chapter, chapter uh, 12, that we are gifted in different avenues. Uh, we're part of the same body, but we are different parts of the body. And so that's true with our ministry. Understanding I don't have to be like this other missionary. I don't have to be like this other person. I need to be me within God's call. You know, just the idea of how can we do ministry? Do evangelism wherever we're at. I remember when I was first trained in evangelism, we took our teens to be trained. And, and so we went out to do evangelism in a town near us. And lo and behold, uh, one of my junior high teens I was uh, connected with that he said, Mr. Dady, Mr. Dady, there's my coach. Let's go get him. And I was so scared. I was so, <laughs> I was fearful. And I just said, hey, he's your coach. You go get him. And I felt uh, like, an, like an inch high. I felt very small. And at that time, I said to myself, and I said to God, Lord, I will never do that to another team. And I will never do that again. In, in sending them do what you've asked me to do. And so that's, I remember one time I was out with some teens and, and uh, in, in our van, and one teenager looked and saw a game um, on, on a, just a cleared out lot uh, by a bunch of teen guys. And one of them said, I wonder how many of them are saved. And then I said, let's go find out. And, and one of my teens said, there's too many of them. And I said, tell you what, just follow me. We stopped the van and got out, and I walked right out to the center of the field to the center pit player. And he was like a foot taller than me. I'm pretty short anyhow. But I said, son, has anybody ever shared with you how to get to heaven from God's word? And he said, no, sir. I said, would you like to know? He said, yes, sir. And so I started with my Bible and shared him the verses. He accepted Jesus Christ. I looked around, and all of my teenagers were connected with other players, and that we had six trust Christ just in that one event. Why? One, God was working. But two, a leader was willing to do what he needed in ministry. I was not in full-time ministry. I was an engineer, a design engineer. And so I was working with teens. And so just being faithful in that which is given me. In Titus 3.8, it says, this is a faithful saying, and it talks about being a pattern of good works. For us to be faithful 
And it says in God's word that he is faithful in the least, is faithful in much. And so it's important for us to understand, for us to be to be faithful in vocational ministry needs means that we need to be faithful in regular ministry as a person at our home, at our church, in our job, in whatever we do. So where do we start to do ministry? Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, in the church. It says, let us consider one another and to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but exhorting one another, exhorting one another. The key things, we provoke, that's ministry. We're to exhort, that's ministry. That wasn't written for preachers. That was written for people in the church. So if we're going to be vocational missionaries, vocational ministers as pastors, we got to start right where we're at uh, before we even get there. We need to do it in our church. We need to do it in and around our home. We need to do it at work. And you might say, how do we do it at work? No, you don't stand on your desk and preach to the crowd. But I remember as I would go out and visit different different customers as a design engineer, and they, they would notice that I would bow my head before I ate. Now, I didn't pray out loud. I was among people who didn't know the Lord. I wasn't there to prove I was a Christian. But I wanted to give God thanks. I remember my president of my company, where I was chief design engineer, said, Ken, are you okay? And I waited till I was done, and I looked at him. And I said, sir, did you ask a question? He said, yeah, I want to know if you're okay. Your head was down. And I said, I was just thanking God for my food. And all he said was, oh, after that, he wouldn't pick up a fork until he saw me actually raise up my head from talking to God. I remember a chief design engineer of another company asking me the same thing, that why are you doing what you're doing? And I started to share with him. I wasn't able to finish because the vice president said, we can't talk about religion or politics. And so he made me stop. And But the guy found out what type of church I went to. And he went there. He trusted Christ. He found out Christian women know how to cook. He got married. And um, I could name many things. We're just bowing my head simply. That's ministry. I'm talking to God but also ministering to people. The biggest reason why missionaries come off the field, you know, some think because of finances, but only a few come off because finances are bad. And I know a few like that. Part of it is because they never, they, they never did the right thing in support raising. Pastors, that if, if, uh, if they're there to church and they're not helping the church to grow, um, that they're... Their uh, support's going to be poor. But if they get out and minister to people, uh, maybe they're not going to get a lot of funds, but they might get some chickens. They might get a, a, a pig. They might get something else, uh, some eggs uh, that, that will help the family. That a few come home, something because of danger or disease. And yes, I know some missionaries have come home because of diseases they contracted on the field or maybe dangers, and they were told by their mission board to get out of there. Or pastors, and I know pastors that have 
have, um, well, I don't know any have quit because of dangers. I know a few have been killed, friends of mine in Nigeria. But, uh, but the biggest reason why people come off the field as missions, because they cannot get along with other people. Interpersonal conflict. Interpersonal conflict. If they cannot get along with people at home, that might be a indication they're not going to get along with people on the field. And so we are, especially when the field, we're dependent on each other. There is a there is a um, uh, thing out in the old days. This is before you were born, David, and even in my early years, where pastors weren't supposed to get close to the people. That's a lie of the devil. And as I said earlier in the podcast, that uh, Jesus, Jesus lived with, ate with, ministered with his 12 disciples, and he wasn't afraid to minister even to the one that was going to deny him. And so the whole idea is we need to learn to get along with people. And you do that by having proper biblical communication. That's a whole uh, seminar in itself as far as biblical um, communication with each other. So the application of ministry is understand ministry is all around us. Serve where you're at. Serve where you're at. And if you think that, that maybe God could use in a big way uh, outside of the area, volunteer for mission opportunities. I have friends because of that who are now in full-time vocational ministries. I have other friends. They go out two or three times a year, and they help missionaries, and they keep their jobs. They got to follow what God wants them to do. And then the third thing is pray for others and for other fields. When I was an engineer, I, I used to live in a state called Ohio in, with the United States. It was very flat, and I, just, I was bored, quote-unquote, with the landscape. And I said, I'd never go back to Ohio. Never go back to Ohio. I was living in a state north of there, which is m much more uh, wooded, had a lot of lakes, just a beautiful place to be. And yet... As I started praying, Lord, send a man to Ohio that loves people, because I watched Ohio was struggling with with ministry, and I kept praying that. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the directors for Word of Life says, Ken, that the men are telling me, you're the next person to go into ministry, and we need you in Ohio. And here, the very state I said I'd not go back to, because I was praying that uh, God chose to send me, and I just had to be willing to say yes. And because of that, God has worked in a mighty way uh, within the churches of Ohio, in the Midwest, and now even internationally. So the last thing, application, is to allow God to use you and mold you for the next step of your life. That's the key thing, right where you're at. If you are in lay ministry, allow God to use you and, and to help you to grow. And whenever we do ministry, by the way, we need to ask ourselves, what did I learn? Uh, how can I grow from this? And I do this with my interns. I do this with myself. I evaluate every event, every ministry I have. I evaluate what went right, what went wrong, what could I uh, improve on? And I did that not as a full-timer. First, I did that as a layman. 
But then as God develops, and I'm in full-time ministry, I have not arrived. I am still learning. I'm still growing. And if we're not willing to grow, we're not going to be effective in, in what we're doing. We have to be changing. We have to be growing. We have to be fresh. And that freshness comes from God. And so as we evaluate, as we ask God for leading and evaluation from others to help us to grow, then we can be the man and woman of God that's in ministry. Not because, quote unquote, we've been told we should be there, but because we know God's hand is upon us. God is using us for his glory. Whether male or female, God will use each of us, each of us for his praise. So what is ministry? That it is a lifestyle. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Ken. Now, when you when you came to the end there, you you it's clear that ministry is not just a job; it's a lifestyle. It's what God has called us to. And so, one cannot really ask, "Is ministry meant for me?" Especially if they are Christian. Why? Because God has yes. called them to live godly lives. Um, we, we, so that when men see their good deeds, they will praise God who is uh, in heaven. But we also have to acknowledge, and, and you've done that in, in the sense that there's different aspects to ministry that require sometimes, just like the Levites, in, in putting aside the concerns of this world, if I may put it that way, and solely focus uh, on laboring for, for God. But I do have one very difficult question uh, that I may want to ask. Is there a time, Mr. Ken, where someone must quit? And by quitting, I mean the same way you quit being an engineer and said, you know what, I'm going to move on and, and pursue uh, and, and, and just spend my energy for God full time. You quit being an engineer to do that. Is there a place and time where someone must quit uh, vocational ministry or full-time ministry like some have called it, where it is okay to do so? Um, and how does one know it is the time? Uh, should we say no quitting is, is the slogan for ministry, which I do not want to lean towards. But are there some principles that you may guide, that help, may help guide us uh, in answering that question, especially where someone has doubts, and, and they might be having doubts for the right reasons. But what do you think, Mr. Kane? are there moments where it's okay to quit, and how do I know it is okay to quit? Okay. And I agree with you, David, that, uh, um, that there are times when someone needs to maybe quit, maybe because they realize they're not prepared for the very ministry that um, that supposedly they've been called to. Um, maybe, mm. maybe their effectiveness have been changed, and maybe it's not quitting, but uh, retreading, uh, finding a different ministry that'll help us. The key thing is one is understanding why we want to quit. Is it because of personality conflicts? Then we need to understand. Is that something that's going to go on no matter where I'm at? And that's probably true. If I have a Goliath in this ministry, I'm going to have another Goliath in the next ministry. If I don't deal with my ability to communicate, 
uh, with with those people. That um, and and so evaluate the reasons why uh, you feel you need to quit. Uh, the other thing is is that is is God leading you to a different ministry, and maybe one that has your heart. But uh, that's a hard thing, uh, you know, to to for me to quantitize um, because that the idea of leading there's always green pastures or looks like green pastures on the other side of the fence and we might think well you all uh, I could do this I could do that but we might be jumping into what we think is is uh, ultra awesome uh, encouragement of being used to maybe even greater problems because we're not looking at the whole picture. So, but there are times uh, I, I know um, men who have left uh, our ministry who are being used of God in a great way. And I've seen others who left our ministry because of negative and left negatively and ended up causing problems in other ministries and maybe even out of ministry totally. Uh, so that, again, we got to look at why, why we feel we need to quit. And then being in God's word, praying, uh, and, and then seek godly counsel. Not just the ones that we know they'll agree with us. I remember, as I told the story earlier of me wanting to quit, a friend got engaged with me. And my boss challenged me if this indeed was God's call. But I also had a, a youth pastor friend of mine when I told him the conflict I was having. He actually looked at me and says, Beatty, quit being a, a baby. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, we were close enough. He could say that. Now, some people I'd really take offense at. But, it, but he said it in truth. He said, quit being a baby. Do what you can do. Do what you should do. And, and so uh, that you need friends around you who are going to give you good analysis, uh, both good and bad, help you to analyze things. But the biggest thing is being prayerful, being the Word, and understanding those reasons. And, and I know in, in answering that question, you are really leaving it to the individual because circumstances are different and so what led someone to quit may not be exactly what may lead another but being in the world and being prayerful and seeking counsel can help to try and, and come to the conclusion of either that doubt or thought that someone may have and so thank you um thank you so much um but one of the things i keep going back to is the fact that ministry is a lifestyle and we're talking about character, not just a job. Um, and I think even the, some of the secular jobs require very straight um, character. Uh, and, and so <laughs> it's interesting that we're not, we're not just talking about being or working or serving, but we're talking about being an individual and what they, they have become. And so we, we really, really, I would really would like to thank you, uh, Mr. Ken. And I know we're recording this way past uh, the time we were supposed to uh, because of the connection that we had. And I'm really thankful that you have been able to allow us a moment uh, to just have a, a few minutes to discuss this topic some more. It's it's really, 
at at the center of of most of our struggles as young men uh, seeking to do what is fruitful um, or what will impact this generation and and, and yet trying to face the challenges that come with it. Um, And I know challenges are different. Uh, They are unique with generations. Some of them are the same. Paul struggled with... uh, um, with, with needs, he addressed them through the scriptures, and God is faithful. He provided for him, provided for so many men, Elijah, uh, by, by, this, by the brook. It's, it's amazing that sometimes we miss those examples, and, and we think that life is easy. I, I know when we were, earlier on someone posted a comment and says, Brock sessions are everywhere both in the secular world and also in ministry. It's everywhere, but God is the same. He provides. He does provide. Mr. Ken, thank you. Uh, That's all I would like to say. Thank you, thank you, and and, and thank you so much. Um, I hope that this podcast will cause many uh, to think about serving God and serving him. Um, I I don't want to use the the word excellently, uh, because we can still serve him excellently wherever he's called us, but by putting extra energy uh, towards the efforts of serving him is really our hope. And whatever you are, whether you are an engineer who is meant uh, uh, to bring electricity to a village or water to a village, wherever you are, um, whether you're a doctor meeting different patients um, through the day and through the week, we know and, and, and really hope that God will use you through all of it, that God will use you through all of it. Be be an example for him. And maybe I'll ask Mr. Ken to just throw a word or two uh, towards those who are doing ministry. I don't want to say half-time <laughs> as the opposite of full-time, but those who are doing ministry, uh, by serving in the secular world. Just a word of encouragement for them. Um, and, and, and to know that wherever they are as Christians, they are still the light. Just a small word of encouragement, Mr. Ken, for those who uh, are in the secular world. Mr. Ken. If all ministry was done by vocational called people, then truly it would be a job. And truly mm-hmm. there wouldn't be shared joys and shared prayer and shared uh, struggles that would also make it lighter for each person. And so it's important that everybody works as a team. And so the layperson is just as important as the pastor if both are fully sold out to God in what he has gifted them to do. And so as, as an enge- it's interesting, as an engineer, I really had a better connection with leaders in saying, this is, this is things you can do than when I went full-time. Because uh, when I went full-time, and I'd tell leaders, say, yeah, but you're full-time. And, 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 but when I was an engineer, that actually leaders would listen to me. And so the missionaries would get me in front of their leaders to tell them, yes, this can be done as a layman. And so, uh, but there's things that you can do a pastor can't. There's things that you should be doing that a pastor shouldn't be doing. And and you can make sure that the waste baskets are clean. You can make sure the bathrooms are clean. You can make sure the nurseries are prepared and staffed. And, and there's so many things that can be done. I would go with my pastor, and we go out so many together. And um, several times he would share, and I would be praying, 
and watching over that person's kids so my pastor could could uh, share with the couple. And there's times where he would do that. He'd let me do the uh, witnessing, and he would be doing the caring and the praying and, and, and stuff. So um, be, be a team with those that are vocational there. But realize that you are just as important as those that are in full-time ministry. If indeed you're using your gifts to the fullest capacity, keep serving and sharing. And just a last thought, which I'd love to build on later. If you have children, engage them within your ministry. That kept our kids close to us. That it, our kids aren't perfect, and and my my kids are older than David is. <laughs> That's but. But uh, the whole idea, they both love ministry. Their spouses love ministry. Their children love ministry because we engaged our kids within ministry. We didn't just go out and do it and leave them home. We had them involved with us. So anyhow, ministry is a lifestyle, but also it is a family style. Awesome. I think, Mr. Ken, we're having you back again on uh, March 20th, which is in the next uh, couple of days, this coming Sunday, uh, to continue with this with this topic. What are some of the things we should be looking forward to this Sunday, the 20th of March, Mr. Ken? Well, the idea of exploring deeper, uh, what's it mean to do ministry, maybe deeper in how to prepare for that ministry, and probably deeper on how to stay engaged within that ministry. Okay. How to prepare and how to stay engaged. And I think that will help answer the big question of should I quit or not? When things are not working out, how how can I how can I keep going? How can I keep going? And I think that will be a word of encouragement to uh, each one of us coming this Sunday or uh, 20th of March. Thank you so much, Mr. Ken, and hope to see you uh, on Sunday. I'm glad we're able to find out what the issue has been uh, yes. for the poor connection. Thank you. See you soon, Mr. Ken. Your number one live podcast Sundays at 9 p.m. East African time.